welcome to the Rising Stars podcast. Today, we have a much-anticipated guest, Nicole Lineback-Ryla, and she is the founder of Retail Minded, an internationally recognized industry blog and publication that delivers news and education to independent retailers. Nicole herself is recognized as number three out of the top 100 retail influencers worldwide, and I personally have been following her work for years. So, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So can you start us off by just telling me about your background in the retail space and kind of what got you interested in retail? Yeah, you know, I'm a self-described retail geek, as I like to say. Um, I grew up with a mother who was an avid shopper, and we lived in a really charming little community in the north suburbs of Chicago that had a great main street with independent businesses and just a really vibrant um, social shopping scene, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we'd spend a lot of time doing, you know, mom-daughter days with my sister's shopping. And as we would stroll in and out of stores, I, I realized, I'm like, I love this, but I was looking at things more critical, even at 12 years old, you know, telling my mom, they should have really merchandised this differently. Or imagine if they did some sort of marketing campaign like this and fast Mm -hmm. forward. And I knew I wanted to study the business of retail in college, which is exactly what I did. And I would drive an hour to Nordstrom's part-time in high school versus my local mall, which at the time did not have a Nordstrom's Mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn from the best, you know, and I've just simply always had that heart, if you will, towards retail. That's awesome. And a lot of your work about retail spaces, um, like you just mentioned, it does have to do with the marketing and kind of the customer appeal and what gets shoppers in stores. So did you always kind of have that, I guess, marketing interest or background as well? I did. Yeah. My eye leans more heavily towards the marketing side versus let's say analytics. You know, over the years, I've gravitated into the technology that has supported retail as well, which is really, for me, very fascinating because I really believe it not only fuels the business of retail, but it definitely influences consumer shopping preferences and marketing, of course. So I am, you know, prior to starting my company, Retail Minded, I was actually the national marketing director for a footwear company called Franco Sardo Footwear. Before that, I worked for Adidas America as well um, on their marketing team. So I definitely have marketing, you know, the bug in me as well. Definitely. So obviously the past couple of years now have been really difficult for the retail industry. So can you kind of share your insights on where retail stands today as we're kind of starting to get back to that normal, if you will, and, you know, for retailers that were able to survive the pandemic, what was it that allowed them to do so? I think that historically retail has always evolved and the pandemic simply accelerated that. It pushed retailers to react a lot quicker to new shopping preferences and new technologies that were emerging. There were a lot of things that already were in place, such as curbside shopping, that people simply weren't reacting to, but suddenly it became a necessity, right? Mm -hmm. That's a simple example of one of the things in COVID that retailers who survived made sure to react and respond to and made it work out for them. And that included everything from using technology for text alerts when your order's ready to working with the parking lot, you know, whoever, if you're renting your retail store or owning it, whichever it might be, making sure you allocate space in the parking lot to make it easy. So there's a lot of touch points to bring all of these things to life. But those retailers that I believe have survived were the ones that were willing to adjust and do so quickly to support customers in their new, not only their needs, but also their new preferences. Along the way, customers started to realize, wow, I had never stepped outside my comfort zone, but now that I have, I actually like doing A, B, or C. 
You know, one of the things I really loved during the pandemic was the emergence of social shopping. We've seen it in Asia and Latin America and overseas for many years now, but throughout the pandemic here in the United States, it started to really emerge. And that's when you can shop directly from social media sites. So that was really fun to see too. Yeah, I think that's a common trend that I've realized um, since the pandemic that a lot of the technology that was very slowly being adopted that was already very much so present in other countries is kind of now just catching up in the US. And like you said, the pandemic really accelerated that. And something that retailers really focus on today with getting customers into the store, and again, this isn't new, is the customer experience. And, you know, I'm just curious on your perspective on what that looks like to get customers back in the stores now, especially after it being so easy to shop online and the fact that we're still in a pandemic. This brings me back to my days when I was telling you earlier how I'd go shopping with my mom and I would always look at that as shoppertainment, right? It was, mm-hmm. we didn't have to go shopping. We chose to go shopping. It was passing time and filling and entertainment, if you will. And I still believe that that's one of the reasons customers are going to stores, particularly after the pandemic. Shoppertainment is pushing them into the stores. They want to be engaged. They want to be entertained. They want to be informed because the reality is, is they don't have to go into stores. They can very easily go online, as we mm-hmm. all know. And as we also all know, they can do curbside pickup and they can do a lot of different things that would never bring them into a brick and mortar experience. But customers do want that brick and mortar experience, but they want it to meet their needs. And their needs are not just finding the items and inventory that they want, but rather identifying a way for them to shop that engages them and almost entertains them along the way. And depending on who you are as a retailer, that's going to look different. You know, every store has a unique need and purpose and their inventory is going to shape the personality of it. But all retail stores have the opportunity to deliver on that. For sure. I totally agree. So today we're talking about retail trends for 2022. So you guys recently posted a article on retail-minded seven key technologies for retailers in 2022. And I'd like to take a little bit of a deep dive into it. So one of the first things that you mentioned was technology that streamlines the retail workload. So what do these technologies look like? The retail workload is, quite frankly, never ending, but it doesn't have to be robust in the way that it consumes the operator's time. It allows for business decision makers to actually find more time by implementing technology. So when we look at the core of, let's say, a point of sale system. So you have your light speed point of sale system is a great example of that. There's countless point of sale systems, but these are the ones that I think of as the beginning of the heartbeat to a retail store. They're actually calculating the inventory, tracking what's sold, making sure Um, you're aware of what needs to be reordered, but it's also, you know, can get much more in depth in terms of customer loyalty, customer database. It starts to become an omni-channel experience Mm -hmm. and looks at your online selling as well as your in-store selling, as well as your social media selling, all the different touch points of where you're selling inventory. But then you start to go behind the scenes, the drop shippers, the inventory warehouse management, those people who might be doing marketplace only selling have additional technologies that support them. You have businesses like Bright Pearl that fuel the connectivity between the supply and the merchant. So there's just so much that helps keep retail moving through connectivity. And I think that's the key here. It needs to be connected and the human eye alone cannot do that. Absolutely. 
And it's also really important to note right now, kind of going off of that, that whether it's due to labor shortages or cost cutting, that retailers really need to learn how to do more with less staff and technology is helping enable them to do that. So in your article, you also mentioned customer service robots. Can you provide some more context around that and what that technology looks like? I've seen it in some grocery stores where they literally have like the robot going down the aisles, um, scanning what needs to be re- stocked, scanning, you know, a spill or something like that. Is that what you're referencing or more something along the lines of what you were saying before, you know, connecting the online to the brick and mortar um, space? So it's interesting because robotics and retail really do go hand in hand. There's a lot of efficiency challenges that are not solved by supply chain streamlining alone. So there's a lot of new offerings included within robotics that are like, for example, there's something called Roller Top Guide and Flex Shelf from Zebra Technologies, which integrates into Manhattan Associates. And I think integration, by the way, is something we should probably chat about. But the unique capabilities that robotics offer improve accuracy as well as worker safety. And I think that's really important to note. So you want to, of course, always position your employees to be in a safe environment. And a lot of these technologies are working behind the scenes to move inventory to stock shelves, um, to identify where there might be voids in inventory supply. You know, we have, um, I was at the National Retail Federation show in New York City recently, and I was really impressed with what Right Hand Robotics and Locust Robotics, which I believe both are also integrated partners of that Manhattan Automation Network. So these are companies that are pushing to provide stronger accuracy and capabilities within the retail behind the scenes efforts, as well as, yes, to your point, some on more directly. So there are some robots, if you will, we see on the retail floors, but there's a lot more of them behind the scenes that customers never even know exist. Right. So you mentioned um, that we should talk a little bit more about the integration of technology. Can you elaborate on that a little further? Yeah. So, you know, integration is so critical in terms of retail technology because you might have a fantastic technology, but if it doesn't integrate into the existing technology that a retailer uses, then it might just be pointless to them. In other words, it has to flow seamlessly within all those other touch points that already exist. Now, this is not true for all technologies, but the good majority of them do need to be integrated into other ones in order to be effective. So I always tell a retailer, make sure you go to that technology page website and look at who their partners are. It might simply say partners or it might say integrated partners. So if you were to go to a company like Shopify or Big Commerce, they're going to identify all the different types of technologies that integrate into their platforms. And this is true for all different technologies, Lightspeed, you know, Manhattan Associates, who I just mentioned. And you're going to want to say, where will this new technology I'm looking at or inquiring in, will it integrate into my existing technology? Because that connectivity, and I did mention that word earlier, that connectivity is so important to optimize a retail business. You're absolutely right. You know, the integration and the workflow is so important, especially when, like you mentioned, a lot of retail technologies, they do need to be integrated into one another. There's not many technologies on the market that do everything. So making sure that everything works together seamlessly is super important. Um, Moving on to another trend that you mentioned is facial recognition. So I think at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone kind of expected facial recognition with the likes of health 
screenings and temperature reads and things like that were going to take off really quickly. And we haven't really seen it take off in the way we expected. So tell me about how facial recognition technology is playing a role in retail today. So it's interesting because facial recognition is being used more so in other countries than it is the United States right now. In fact, if you were watching the Olympics at all, um, or following even some of the athletes, you would see that like Sean White at one point posted a video of how facial recognition was accepting the athletes into a certain destination on the Olympic campus. It would simply scan you and you can move ahead, right? We yeah. even see it with, um, and I'm just using this as examples of what this might translate into the retail space those people who might use clear at an airport, they are using facial recognition in replace of a traditional ID, right? Your driver's license or passport to move you ahead in that line. These are things that um, technologies, the innovation of it, store owners, retailers, they are going to begin to use this to quickly recognize their customers versus having to lean on, or I should say into that database of a traditional CRM system, like a customer management system. So it allows for a more personalized shopping experience. They can use the spatial recognition apps and software to know the types of products that customers have historically bought, even knowing, let's say, where there is, what their average spend is or their budget. And then through this knowledge, retailers can provide a stronger, high value to shoppers. But I think that the thing here is like, I don't personally want customers, including myself, to ever be scared about these types of technology in store. I want us to embrace them as an enhancement to the shopping experience. So I don't think we're going to see this everywhere, but I do think it's going to be relevant at some stores, um, particularly like a higher end store where they're more familiar with certain customers. Like maybe when that door opens and like there's a technology called door technologies that actually is a store traffic counter. When a door opens, it starts to navigate where the customer is going to go. It tracks that it delivers data to the retailers so they can understand how to better merchandise and support their customer. Facial recognition is going to be an extension of that just as one example. So when the door opens, they can identify, oh, you have a high volume, a high purchase or a high spend customer walking in right now, right? Those are the types of things that's going to allow for as we move ahead in the future. Right. So I want to go back to something that you said about customers being kind of scared of facial recognition technology. And, you know, a theme that I've kind of noticed so far is that other countries are adopting retail technology um, much quicker than the U.S., um, whether it's in facial recognition or, like you said before, some of those curbside pickup options. Why do you think that the U.S. is slower to adopt some retail technology? And do you think it's because there's so much customer hesitancy of the type of information that's exposed. Yes and yes to like, I mean, not yes to your first question, but rather yes, they're slower. So I just want to reinforce, yes, I agree with that. And yes, I think there's hesitancy to it. But I also think that generally speaking, the American consumer is not even as dial forward as many of other countries are. So style is also delayed in the US, mm -hmm. not just the trends of technology, but also the actual trends of fashion. So I think they go hand in hand a little bit in the sense that our society is, you know, pretty good. We have it pretty darn good, if you will. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's that curiosity of why, why do we need more? Why do we need an enhanced experience? Why is this not good enough, if you will? So I think that's one approach. Um, and the other approach is that a lot of the technologies that are being developed are ultimately being introduced to other places first, because consumers are more excited for technology in other countries. That's just reality. You know, even there's a lot of great retail technologies that emerged from Australia, for example, right? Um, definitely China is one of the leading places 
places. So I think that American consumer is just a little bit more like, we're good. You know, there's always going to be the exception, but they're not as excited to introduce something new because I've talked to plenty of them. I've obviously researched a ton through focus groups and various questionnaires and such along the way. And they're just like, why do we need more? I mean, it's an actual question they have. They're like, we're good with what we have. You know, the younger generations are increasing in their spending power. And so this is why there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement as well, because that's actually going to give us the opportunity to introduce these things because younger generations were born with technology in their hands and they like it. They're embracing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a really interesting perspective, but I do think it's a common theme that in the U.S. people are a little more resistant to change. So that's that's definitely a factor. We're going to continue talking about our 2022 retail trends. We're just going to take a really quick break to talk about STARS antimicrobial covers. Guys, it's cold season, and even though life is starting to feel a little more normal again, germs are still everywhere. STARS helping to keep retailers and shoppers safe with their antimicrobial covers. The antimicrobial covers distributed by STAR reduce germ transfer on high-touch surfaces like door handles, checkout counters, elevator buttons, and much more. With an easy peel-and-stick application, there's never been an easier way to keep virtually any kind of business clean. Ready to learn more about antimicrobial covers? Visit starmicronics.com AMC to learn more today. So Nicole, another Big retail trend is obviously e-commerce. The advancement of delivery is a big concern for brick and mortar retailers, whether it's, you know, retail giant Amazon and their same day or even next day delivery sometimes, or the advancements of other large retailers. So we already talked about how brick and mortar retailers can provide kind of that entertainment factor, that wow factor to keep customers coming in. And I think that when we talk about those entertainment factors, we're thinking kind of extreme, but it can be as simple as just having what you say you have on the website in the store. So tell me about what technology is going to be in highest demand for brick and mortar um, retailers this year. That is a great question. And like 20 just entered my mind. I think that truly social shopping is going to be among the top technologies that brick and mortar is going to want to introduce. And that's because to your point, e-commerce and digital shopping is still very relevant and it's not going anywhere. There are going to be many of consumers shopping at 2 a.m. or simply online because that's what they want to do. So social shopping allows brick and mortar retailers to move inventory from their physical storefronts or even their warehouses, but engaging the customer and connecting with customers in a way that consumers are excited about. So one example of that would be comment sold. And, you know, that's where you can actually go live from your store. And let's say I'm, whether it's a piece of furniture or jewelry or a sweater or a home goods item, you know, it could be a vacuum. You can identify and connect with customers through this video and using it, showing the engagement of the product, explaining it, forming to the customer. And they are able to literally almost make a comment, if you will, and then it's sold. Hence the name of that one particular company, but it's such a great way for transactions to take place. And if you're a brick and mortar store not using this, you're missing out on opportunity for revenue. Absolutely. And what are your thoughts on, because you mentioned uh, social shopping, um, retailers utilizing influencers on social, how is that going to impact their success in the retail space? 
I think as long as a retailer understands their customer, which I'm going to trust they do, then using an influencer is absolutely okay. Because if they've identified that their customer engages with those influencers, it's going to help them lead to additional sales. I see all the time in my own feed as a consumer in my own, you know, let's say Instagram feed, there are certain influencers, if you will, that I follow. And for most part, it's home styling or fashion that I'm following them for. And Mm -hmm. I definitely am persuaded by who they're recommending for me to explore. Now, does it mean I always use the code they offer or does it mean I use the direct link they share? No, it absolutely doesn't. And I think that retailers need to know that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to connect with an influencer and realize that there's going to be a percentage of sales you'll never know or tracked from that influencer. Absolutely. So another fun trend that you mentioned um, in that article was augmented shopping for brick and mortar retailers. And an example that you gave was kind of, you know, if they don't have your particular size, you can still kind of use some sort of augmented reality tool to try on the item in your size, kind of see it on yourself without actually physically trying it on. Now, have you had any direct experience with this? I have. And I've had experience with this um, at, you know, National Retail Federation, where I'm lucky enough to go and connect with these technologies before they sometimes even hit the market. But Mm -hmm. I've been in, you know, a variety of stores. And I will tell you, this is not as common in suburban America, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to see this more at your New York City based stores, your maybe your LA or your even Dallas stores that have stronger sales that have stronger engagement. That's Mm -hmm. where they're investing in these things. So I've seen it. But do I think that most customers have? No, I definitely don't. Um, But it's my job to have seen and experienced these things. And as a customer, I'm lucky to get to implement that into my own personal choice of shopping as well. That said, it's not super mainstream quite yet. Um, I think the smart mirror is pretty cool. I think that, you know, I've started to see that more and it's, there's some augmentation there as well. Um, I love it when a customer can be in the store and, you know, by the touch of a screen, scroll and see maybe different color options that aren't available in the store, but they are available online, things like that. So it's an engagement thing. I think for sure, more and more we're going to see of this. I just don't think it's going to be so mainstream that it's across all of America. I think it's going to be more in your bigger cities for the time being. Yeah. yeah, we're seeing it a little bit more in the fitness space. And yes. I, I personally remember reading about um, maybe reading your writing on augmented shopping and kind of AR tools in brick and mortar probably five, five or so years ago now. So how long do you think it will be until it becomes a mainstream trend in retail, at least in the U.S.? Because as we mentioned, we're a little slower to catch up. We're going to see at least still three to five years before it becomes more of a stronger footprint across the U.S. Um, because there's an investment attached to that, you know? And again, the generations, I always, always want people to challenge themselves to think, you know, who is the customer? Because the older generations, the baby boomers are still very strong consumers and that's not necessarily their preference to shop. So you have to also consider where is this being used? Why is it being used? Does it make sense to be used at every retailer or only some? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So obviously, you know, Star Migronics is a point of sale solutions provider, and most of our listeners to this podcast are technology providers within that space. So similar to Lightspeed or Manhattan Associates, some of the ones that you mentioned. So how can our listeners specifically offer these solutions that retailers need to survive in this new climate? 
How can they offer these solutions? They need to just simply engage with folks like you. Is, you know, become educated, do your homework, look at the needs of your business, and then look at the needs of or the offerings of the technology that you're considering. And you know, I think that's why there's so many of basically everything in the market is because not everything's going to work for everyone. You know, and that's why there's room for competition, if you will. It's the same way a pair of jeans don't fit me the same way they might fit you, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to really try on your technology if you will, to see whether or not it's going to be the right fit for your unique business and your your continued future goals of the business. I think that's something else that merchants really need to think about. It's not just about today and tomorrow, but you know, five years ahead, 10 years ahead. That's why having that mindset to consider, oh, what integrations are available, even if they're not something I use today, is this something I might need as my business grows? Things like that. For sure. So based on that and these retail trends that we've talked about, what do you think that retailers need most in terms of technology and IT services um, in 2022 or the next couple of years? At its core, I still think point of sale is so critical, such as what you guys offer. And then, of course, I think that having payment technologies available for customers to have options to use are also pretty interesting and important. A lot of people don't look at payment as a technology, but having the payment to be able to be accepted as part of the technology feature of a platform, I think is very, very important. Because again, across the generations, there's preferences. So let's look at quad installment payment companies, for example, quad pay, after pay. Larna, these are companies that a lot of consumers want to use. It's where you can distribute your payments into four. And long story short, there are customers who are going to private Facebook groups of whichever quad installment payment company they like to first identify a retailer that accepts them and then decides where to shop. So path to purchase is starting to shift. How customers find a store and an item has definitely evolved than what it just used to be. And so those types of technologies, I think at the minimum, every retailer needs to start considering what payment technologies can I introduce beyond traditional cash, credit, and check. I'm always very, very surprised at how many retailers still only accept those three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we talked a lot about retail trends for this coming year. If you were to try to look five years into the future and see where the the retail industry is, what do you think that's going to look like? What will remain the same and what's going to change? I think that from a brick and mortar perspective, we're going to see a stronger overlap between experiences within that brick and mortar space. We're starting to see that with malls being reconfigured and redesigned, bringing old malls new life with anchoring them with like Top Golf or, Mm -hmm. you know, movie, outdoor movie theaters, things that bring that engagement to the customer. But I think we're going to start to see that more so in retail, even if you look at, let's say, Restoration Hardware, which has introduced restaurants at some of their locations. The Nordstrom in New York City has uh, literally, it's called the shoe bar in their shoe section. So I think that these are the types of things we're going to see more and more of. I also think we're going to see smaller footprint stores versus mm-hmm. larger footprint stores. And I think that brands are going to take more control. Direct to consumer uh, will only be reinforced. We're going to see a lot less of the, let's say, Macy's of the world that carry multiple brands, but rather we'll see those independent storefronts having their own brands connecting with the customers that way. And technology-wise, I think we're going to see the phones, the smartphones be more of our transaction source. I think that the comfort zone that some of us are in, we still don't use our phone for a transaction, but I think in five years, there's going to be a good majority of customers using the phone to process transactions for sure. 
Absolutely. And I'm just curious why you say that there's going to be more smaller footprint stores. I think as a consumer, I personally understand it. It's a little easier to navigate, but you know, as an industry trend, why we're moving towards more smaller footprint um, brand name stores rather than those larger department stores. Yeah, I think one of the very first and I guess more obvious reasons here is simply due to budget. I think Mm -hmm. that there is less investment when the footprint's smaller. And so as brands start to consider new marketplaces and to recover even from COVID, they're going to spend a little bit less. They're just going to make that smaller footprint more exciting. And that leads us to like how how they're going to use the space to actually deliver on that customer engagement and sales, of course. But the big footprint has been a challenge for many retailers for many years. You know, we've seen stores die, quite frankly fade away, be reinvented. Even if you look at Nordstrom's, I just mentioned that shoe bar, but there's also a Nordstrom concept called the local, Mm -hmm. you know, a smaller footprint Nordstrom. So we're starting to see the trend already. I think it's just going to be pushed into full speed ahead as, you know, COVID stores that did not survive. There's now vacancies of retail. And before these next generation of brands invest in them, they're considering what does that look like? And the other thing I'll say is, you know, I'm a big fan of um, the pop-up shop and the Lioness group, uh, uh, Melissa Gonzalez, I'm sure you've maybe connected or heard her work along the way, but you know, I'm, I've spent some time with her and lucky to call her a friend too. I think the work that the pop-up has put on the map for retail has also really exciting. I think that, you know, coming and going literally you're there for whether it's three weeks or three months, and then you go away. There's mm-hmm. a sense of enthusiasm about that from a retail or from a consumer perspective. So I think retailers are starting to consider, we don't need to be here always. We might just need to be here sometimes. So let's just be here. Let's do an awesome job. And then let's close the doors. So that's something else I think that we should definitely keep our eyes on. Definitely. Yeah. It creates a sense of excitement and kind of a sense of urgency. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to buy that product, you only have a certain amount of time to do so. Um, So Nicole, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your insights. I just want to wrap it up with one final question. And that is who in the retail space today do you see as a rising star? Meaning, you know, they're doing everything right. They're adopting the technology needed to kind of survive this weird time and that other retail or even retail technology providers can look to as an influence. I am really enjoying what Kendra Scott's been doing lately. So they're adding personalization to their product. They're adding um, various technologies into their store. The connectivity between customers and their brand is strong. The loyalty is strong. Um, and that is a brand with a smaller footprint store, but doing you know exceptional sales on that. So I think that that's a pretty cool retailer that I've kind of got my eye on and I'm watching. And it reaches different generations as well. You know, I have a 17-year-old who, who appreciates them, but I have um, plenty of mom friends, if you will, who also appreciate them. So they're reaching the various generations. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I encourage everyone listening to go check out retailminded.com for more information on what's new in the retail space. Nicole, for anyone that wants to connect with you further, where can they find you? Or is there any other big things that you have coming up? Yeah, you know, I'm also the founder of something called the Independent Retailer Conference, and we're producing our first 2022 event in Las Vegas taking place February 27th through March 2nd. It is actually a pop-up conference, if you will. We, we hold it on site. Uh, this particular event will be at ASD Market Week, so which is a one of the nation's largest consumer good trade shows that crosses various inventory categories, everything from fashion and health and beauty to CBD to diamond. So very, very extensive. Um, so yeah, we're very much looking forward to that. Independent Retailer Conference, and we'll do it again in August at the same location in Las Vegas. So that's always something to look forward to. 
Awesome. And for Star Micronics, you can find us at starmicronics.com or on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks again, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you.